chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4. And last Sunday night, Brother Jay and his family were here. And we, um, so we got off the book of Acts for a week. And he continued talking about worship and some things about worship last week. And it was great to have him and his family here. And I was teasing this morning and I said, Jason has got a lot of hair. I was asking Jay if he thinks he could grow that much hair. And Jay says he thinks he could. I don't know about that one. And so, but um, it was a good service last week. And praise the Lord for that. But it's good to be back. And I mentioned I got to preach in a couple different churches while we were gone. Great churches, awesome churches, great people. There's just something about being home and in your church. And uh, there, other churches are great. And I believe there are a lot of great churches all over the place. But I love my home church. I love the people of this church. And there's no place I'd rather be. Now, some of you sitting here might be thinking, oh, there's lots of other churches. Then go find that church if that's best for you. But I like this place, and I'm planning on sticking around for a while until the Lord directs differently or he takes me out one or the other, whatever happens there. And hopefully that won't be for a while. We saw a few weeks ago the fact that in the, here in the book of Acts that Peter and John were going into the temple. And as they were going into the temple, there was this man that was asking alms, and he'd been out at this gate for a long time, for years. And they asked alms of Peter and John, and as they did that, they didn't have any money. Typical Baptist right there for you. They didn't have any money, but they said, hey, I've got something better. And how often do we want something or think we need something? And then at the end of the day, God has something better for us than what we ever thought we needed. That's how this was here. This man received salvation and he received healing. Praise God for that. And this man, all of a sudden, he gets saved. He's able to rise up and walk. And he's walking and leaping and he's praising God in the temple. This temple, I don't think they were expecting that to be happening. And as this happened, you've got to understand, all the people that ruled the temple, when they crucified Jesus, they were still all here. The same Sanhedrin, the same rulers, the same high priest, they're all there. And this man is healed, and they ask, what happened to you? Because they had seen him at the gate. Oh, there were these guys, and then the guys start speaking to all the people. And John and Peter preaches a message there. It says, hey, this that happened, that it was done in the name of the one who you crucified. The one that you decided you'd rather have a murderer than have Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ healed this man, and you need to repent and turn to Jesus. And it caused an uproar. The temple, there was an uproar. Because the people who hated Jesus and thought they did away with Jesus is all of a sudden... He's being preached about, and he's healing people, and he's not even there. And so what happens is they take John and Peter, and they try to intimidate them a little bit. We're going to throw them in prison for a night. Hey, maybe they'll remember what we did to Jesus when we threw him in prison for a night. Maybe it will scare them enough to stop this, so they arrested them. When they arrested them and took them away, the Bible says... Over 5,000 believed the words that Peter and John had preached, and 5,000 got saved after they were arrested. If you take in the, in the events, it looks here. And so we look at verse number 5, and this is where we picked up two weeks ago. It says, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and a bunch of these wicked men here, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. 
And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now remember, this is Peter. This is Peter who, hey, weren't you one of those 12? Weren't you one of his followers? Oh, no, me? Not at all. That wasn't me. Someone else a few minutes later, weren't you one of his followers? Oh, no, I didn't follow him. You're mistaken. No, your speech gives it. No, I, I swear on my life I didn't know the man. This would have been the time to just let it go, right, and get out of there. They're like, Why did, how did you heal that man? By what name and what power did you do this? And what we see next is we see the Bible says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the infinite man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you all whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And Peter gets even more narrow here. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. The name he was speaking about is the name of Jesus Christ. And as we look at this and we say this out, that's a bold claim to make in front of these rulers in the temple. Where did the boldness that Peter and John have, where did it come from? What changed in them compared to the days before when they all scattered or when they denied the Lord? Where, and we know the boldness came from the Holy Spirit. We understand that tonight. We're going to look more at that here tonight. But I want us to look at verse number 13 and look at verse, verse 22 tonight and see some things here tonight. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Let me ask you a question tonight. Could someone look at you tonight and say, they've been with Jesus recently? In our youth group tonight, when we met, I did something different. I took them for frozen yogurt today. When we did, I said, normally what happens is we all sit here and I teach you something from God's Word. I want you to share with me what you've learned this week in your life from God. And you should have seen some of the looks, like, um... But if I were to ask their favorite music group what they did this last week, or if I were to ask certain things that they really like, they could have told me tons of things. Let me ask you this question tonight. Do, do your co-workers know that you've been with Jesus this week? Oh, pastor, I went to church. That's not enough. Hey, How's your Bible reading doing? Did you spend time in God's Word this week? When's the last time you opened it up and studied God's Word for yourself? The problem we have with Christians today is we haven't been with Jesus enough. Because it's not rubbing off on those around us. They knew, hey, these men, they'd been with Jesus. Listen to how they're speaking. Listen to how they're acting. Listen to what they're saying. They spent time with Jesus. And let me encourage you tonight as a Christian... 
You need to spend time with Jesus. It would do us all good to act a little bit more like Jesus. It would do us all good to say the things that Jesus would say a little bit more often in our lives. It would do us plenty good to spend more time with Jesus. You are who you hang around, right? Think on that one for a little bit. Let's keep on going. We're only through verse number one. I say, Pastor, I thought you'd be tired. Back I am, but this is coming out. Here we go, verse 14. And behold, the man which was healed standing with them, they say nothing against it. They could say nothing against it. There was proof. There's nothing they could say. The man is literally right there. But when they had commanded them to go out, aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifested to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They didn't even like saying his name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Once again, Caroline, may I remind you, he was up 40 years old. That's the verse that says it there in verse 22. Just because you turned that age on that Sunday I preached that message doesn't mean that I was preaching about you in that passage. It's Bible there. So, as we look at that, what? I lost them all right there. Oh. You're just so beautiful, though. And you just, you age so well and all of that. I wish I could do that. But anyways, as we look at this tonight, there's a lot of things to say here and a lot of things to go forward with. And I gained a lot of, it's not, hey guys, this is a side note here. Isn't it amazing? It takes a lot to earn brownie points in marriage. And she calls them brownie points. You might call them something else. It takes a lot to earn them but you lose them awful quick. It's a lot of work to earn them, but they can just all be gone in a matter of seconds. It's amazing how that works. But anyways, we'll leave that there and go no deeper there. And we'll pray that she forgets things and we'll be in good shape tonight. As we look at this passage here and as we dive deeper into it, we see the fact that these men were bold in their witness for Jesus. Man, we need Christians today to be bold in their witness for Jesus Christ. We have a lot of pathetic Christians today that have no boldness, don't speak up. It's amazing in the world that we live, all the people that do speak up. Why is it that Christians don't speak up? I don't have a complete answer for that one. I think one of the things is we fear what men think more than we fear what God thinks. We'll talk more about that here in this message tonight. Because if not, why don't you speak the truth? Oh, but what are people going to think? It's not about what people think. It's about what the Bible says is true. People need the truth. You know, Katie, we were talking. We were talking earlier today, and we got. We got. This is a good. This was good. 
This is, this is good. We were talking in, uh, in a meeting we had earlier today, and she's like, her son keeps going around telling all of his friends, if you don't turn to Jesus, you're going to burn in hell. Now, we, gotta, we have to work on the wording of that just a little bit, okay? Because I am sure that many parents are not going to like that being said. And so, yeah. And so, but I like, I like the boldness there. And we want the boldness, but we got to tone down, you know, burn. It's true. It's very true. But, you know, boldness is a good thing. And a lot of times kids have that boldness. We get a little older, we lose that boldness. Could it be that we just don't have the power of the Spirit in our lives and we're not yielded to Him? And that's why we don't have the boldness that we should have. Lots of things that could be said. I want to look at this passage tonight. And why was the early church a bold church? What we need today, and uh, hopefully this isn't going to, well, if it offends you, then. This is the thing. We need Christians to get out of the closet now and stand up for what's right. Everything else is coming out of the closet, and they are bold and proud about all of it. And then the Christians are cowering in their closets. What are people going to think? Is this hate speech? Is this that? Is it this or that? No, it's Bible truth. We need Bible truth today. We need to stand for what's right. We have politicians, we have people, go back 20 or 30 years and listen to our president talk about how he felt that abortion was wrong. It's not what he says today, because he wants people to like him and vote for him. It's amazing what people will do for that. Why was the early church a bold church? Number one, they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. That's what we need tonight, to be with Jesus. Now, as we look at this, there's some interesting thoughts as we look here. We look at verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Got to understand, they looked at these guys in letter A. We see the fact they had no religious schooling. And, you know, some people get this idea, oh, you got to go to school in order. You don't have to go to a Bible school to follow God and to do what God wants you to do. Now it might help some or it might mess some up too. It's done that too for some as well. You need a good dose of the Holy Spirit is what you need. And I'm thankful for my years in a Christian Bible college, but show me where a requirement for a pastor is that he goes to a Bible college. That's not found in scripture. Is it, I believe it's good for some, but then I also see where it's led some astray and did God design a local church or did he design a Bible college? Think on that one there for a little bit. And I'm not against them. I'm not. But just some thinking. We get our thinking backwards in areas. And we got to be very careful in those things. But these men, they didn't, have the, they didn't have all the religious knowledge. And that probably helped them out. Sometimes people get so much religious knowledge, it messes with them and it does things that it shouldn't do to them. I was looking the other day. And this church was looking at an ordination and things. And in this ordination, they're going to make this guy take two years and basically make sure he dots his I's and crosses his T's exactly how they want to or they won't ordain him there. He has to be just right down that line. You have to have all these religious things just perfectly drawn up. I'm glad that that's what they did in the Bible, right, when they ordained elders in each city. I think there needs to be, you need to be careful with those things. But sometimes we get so caught up. These men, they were unlearned. They didn't, they probably didn't have the greatest English. In fact, they didn't even speak English. <laughs> I still remember one of the funniest things ever was one of our teenagers several years ago. 
When I said that Jesus didn't speak English, he was shocked. It literally ruined his day that Jesus didn't speak English. And I, that was so, I just, I, I, it just made me laugh. And so I could really, Jesus didn't speak English? No, he didn't. He just couldn't accept that. That was hard for him because he really felt that Jesus spoke English. The members of the Sanhedrin here took note that these men didn't follow their traditions, didn't attend the religious schools that they had. Simply what they saw is these men didn't have any of that knowledge, but they'd been with Jesus. It's amazing what could happen in your life if you spend time with Jesus. I would encourage you, get out of your commentaries and get time with Jesus. Hey, get off all of the outs, and preaching is good, listen to good preaching, but more important than all the preaching, get some time with Jesus. You need time with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. It was a mark on their life. They didn't have all the fancy training. They didn't have all, they were not, they couldn't speak very well. They were probably not much different than me tonight, but you got to understand something. They'd been with Jesus. And the men there, those rulers saw them, and they're like, whoa. These guys don't talk like us. They don't have all the rules and everything down that we do. But they've been with Jesus. And you can have a church that has all their religion down and has all their preferences and all their standards in place. But if Jesus walked in the door, he wouldn't even be recognized because they're so caught up on everything. Doctrine matters. Don't get me wrong. That's why we're teaching on doctrine. Preferences for you, if the Lord leads you on something, that's a good thing for you. But we need Jesus is what we need. These men, they marveled at these unlearned men. They had no religious schooling. They'd simply been with Jesus. They had no religious um, schooling in letter B. They were bold with their message. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. I know sometimes we look in this passage too, and we just think of Peter speaking. But I don't know if you notice, it says Peter and John. John was saying these things too. He might not preach the message that Peter preached, but he also spoke up at times here as well. But they were bold in their message. And how we need to be bold for the Lord, and how we need to, and this is the thing. confess of my own sin to you when I go and I witness and I go out and share my faith it's a lot easier to be bold in my witness after I spent time with the Lord if I pray before I go it's a lot easier to tell someone about heaven and hell and what it is to go out on my own because the Holy Spirit he's there to give us the boldness that's why he's there right he's going to help us be witnesses in all the world basically and we see these guys that were scaredy cats, wimps, all of a sudden bold in their message. The difference was the Holy Spirit. We see these men, what made the early church bold? Number one, they'd been with Jesus. Hey, do we want to have a bold church, a church that stands for what's right? We better get with Jesus. It's not, just, it's not good enough just on a Sunday morning. It's not just good enough on a Sunday night. It's not just good enough on a Wednesday night. We need to spend time with the Lord. How long has it been since you spent time with God? When's the last time you spent an hour in prayer? We sing the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, and most Christians don't even know what an hour of prayer would ever look like. When's the last time you spent five minutes in prayer? 
We could change the sweet five minutes of prayer, sweet five minutes of prayer. It doesn't sound as good as sweet hour of prayer, but most of us don't even get five minutes in. How much time do you spend in prayer today? Well, pastor, your prayer at the beginning of the service was one minute. I'm not talking about those. I prayed one minute for my food. When's the last time you begged God for his power? When's the last time you'd been with Jesus? You are who you hang around. And your fruit will show if you've been with Jesus or not. I'm glad the kids are having fun outside tonight. There's a window that's broken in the side room still from before I left. That's why it's a little warmer in here, too, because the, the thing fell out of it today, and then you can hear those kids well. But William, since he broke it, my son, he gets to this week help me put a new window in, and he gets to learn how to do all that stuff. Isn't that a great way to teach him not to kick a ball through a window of all the things to be doing? But he's a kid. He's, a he's getting to pray for me. He's getting close to that junior high stage, and I just don't know what I'm going to do at that time. We see number one tonight that they'd been with Jesus. Number two, they were battling the enemy. They were battling the enemy. Verse 14, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they took counsel, when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people, uh, straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. They were battling the enemy. Do you know how much Satan hates the work of God? Have you got that figured out yet? He hates the work of God. He hates anyone getting saved in the name of Jesus Christ. He hates any of the working of Jesus. And I know that there were these men at work. But let's be honest tonight. There was much more than just some men that didn't like Jesus. There's a spiritual battle taking place here, and that spiritual battle takes place today. It's no different today. Satan hates the church. He hates a church that is actively doing God's work, boldly witnessing, doing what we're called to do. A lot of the churches he doesn't even care about because they don't do anything. A church that does nothing... Satan's already got them doing what he wants them to do. But these guys were battling the enemy. You've got to understand, the devil is real tonight. And just as we preach that God is real, and that God loves us, and that God is for us, and that God will lead us and go with us through our trials, we need to understand something tonight. Satan hates God. He hates everything to do with God. He hates anybody who loves God. He hates the church. Christ loved the church so much he gave himself for it. Satan hates the church because it's built on Jesus Christ. He does not want the church to succeed. He wants the church to fall apart. He wants division in the church. He wants the church to be of no use to God. That's the truth tonight. That's why we need to be very careful about what comes into this place. Satan has a great desire to mess things up. He has a great desire to use people to get mad at one another and cause schisms in the body that God's placed here. We need to be very careful in these areas. They were battling the enemy here. They were bold, and they had been with Jesus, but they were battling the enemy. We see letter A in the fact that the enemy conferred among themselves. We see that right there. The Bible tells us they talked among themselves or they conferred among themselves. 
And as we look at that, they could not deny this miracle. They were trying to figure out, what do we do with these two? The people love them. The people love them. That's why they took Jesus at night. Don't you realize that? They took him at night so that the people, there were a lot of people that loved Jesus. And I know sometimes we'll look, and I can't say for a fact, but Pilate was going to release someone. You can't tell me that all those people knew Jesus was even there. I'm sure most of the people that were there were patriot Jews that wanted to get Barabbas freed. They didn't even, they weren't there for Jesus. That's why they did it when they did it. They knew the fact that the people loved John and Peter here. The miracle took place. No one could deny the fact that that, they couldn't say, oh, that man's faking it. That man just made that up. He was just laying out there for a while, you know, like Benny Hinn or things like that. You can't say it's made up here, okay? This man literally had people carry him day after day, year after year. And, it, and a matter of fact, he was healed. They could not deny that. And so they talk among themselves. And then letter B, we see the enemy threaten them. That's the best that they could do. Why? It was the middle. There was people there. These people saw what took place, so they threatened them. If you keep preaching in that name, we're gonna, it's going to be the end of your days. You better never do it. We'll beat you like we beat Jesus. Hey, Christian, you sing in your church, and we're going to send the health department after you. You meet in church when we tell you not to, and uh, we'll throw a fine on you. You see the He's been threatening all along for all the way along. It doesn't matter what day and age it is, the enemy has a common goal. And Satan doesn't care if he's got to use the government or religious folks like here. He's going to do his best to mess the church up. I'm so glad that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Aren't you grateful for that tonight? And so as we serve God and as these things happen, you've got to understand something. As we go through these things... And as they were threatened, think about what 1 Peter 4, verse number 12 through 14 tells us. Beloved, think it not strange. We're going to be getting here on Sunday mornings, but we talk about Nero burning Christians and using them as a light to light his garden up. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that... When his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and on their part he is evil speaking of, but on your part he is glorified. And we see tonight, and we think about those fiery trials that face us all in our lives. You've got to understand something. For them, they were coming. And Peter, he goes through these things, and I love how later on we'll get to it in the passage, but as they le- after they were beaten because they kept preaching in the name, they went out glorifying God because they were worthy to suffer persecution for him. Let me remind you of some things. Just because you, There are times that we do dumb things and we get persecuted for it. So don't take the Lord's name and say, oh, I'm being reproached for the Lord. No, you did something you shouldn't have done. Don't try and throw the Lord into that. But when we're standing up for what's right and doing what the Lord tells us to do, and church, I want you to understand something. We're going to get to that day again. Do you realize that? 
if I've learned one thing in the past two years, I don't care how political people have made it, I don't care where you stand on any of it. Isn't it amazing that the CDC just this last said, okay, basically just do what you want now. We'll treat the unvaxxed the same as the vax. That's what they said. Took them long enough to get that one figured out. But anyways, that's for them to figure out. But wherever you stand on it, what little thing's going to come up where they say you can't go to church? You can't do things. It's going to happen. Because this is what happened. They saw that it worked. And they saw Christians cower behind it. And so I guarantee you, you know, just turn on the news. How dumb, how dumb, how ugh, just irritates me. We're talking about how we're in such a drought here in California. Do you know what they talked about yesterday on the news? That within the next 40 years, California is going to suffer a major flood of 100 inches of rain. And when that happens, it's going to be the greatest catastrophe ever to happen in the state of California. How dumb! But I bet someone watched that and they went and bought a boat yesterday. Because they think it's going to happen. Oh, I got my life preserver. I'll be just fine. We're lacking rain right now. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with those? And this is the problem. They keep feeding us the garbage because we keep accepting it. I guarantee you we're getting closer to those days. And it's going to come down to the point. Do you go to church or do you not go to church? We're going to go to church. I made this statement before, and I'm going to make it one more time. And I, I promise you on this this time. I hand on God's word. Government tells us to shut this church down for anything. I will be here the next service having church. We're not doing that again. I learned my lesson. And you say, well, I'm not. then you stay home and you do what you need to do. I'm telling you what I'm doing. The doors will be open and we will have church. And the government can go eat a hard-boiled egg. I really don't care. We need to stand up for the truth and what's right. And the closer we get to the Lord coming, it's only going to get worse. It is. We need to get back to having the boldness of the church in the book of Acts. We see this church as we look at tonight. We see the fact that they had been with Jesus. They were battling the enemy. And thirdly and lastly tonight, they feared God more than man. I think this is one of our biggest problems today. I really don't truly fear God. What does the scripture say? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? They told these guys, hey, stop preaching in that name. We don't want to hear you teach it. We don't want you healing people. We don't want you doing anything with the name of Jesus. That's what they said, right? And look at what, look at verse number, and I love the past couple years. I love how people will take Romans chapter 13 say we're supposed to obey every law obey every law and let me just tell you something tonight every law that you can obey obey it do what's right obey them they are put we have laws in place we have things do your best to obey them but when it comes down to you and your God no one should be able to tell you what you can and cannot do for God that's like, you might not like hearing me say this, and you can, you can do whatever you want. But if they tell me that I need to wear a mask to go into a store, I did it. 
I did it. That didn't hurt my relationship with God. It didn't. Now, not to sing in church, that hurts my relationship with God. Not to go to church, that hurts my relationship with God. Not going to happen. But you want me to go 55 on the road out there? I'll go 55. And if I risk it a little bit, I'm willing to take the ticket if you catch me. Say, Pastor, how fast did you drive on your trip? Number one, it's none of your business how fast I drove on my trip. Number two, who made, I probably drove about the same speed you do. And so, I thank God for those states where the speed limit was 80. So, uh, Utah, Idaho, Montana, South Dakota, praise God for those states. And then communist California, 70. You're in the middle of nowhere. Give me 80. Why not? My rule of thumb, in city limits, I go the speed limit. On those outside things, I'll go about five to seven over. Say, why? Because those limits are there just to give you a warning of what you should be going. And so, and, but anyways, we'll leave that there. But the problem is, and as we look at these people, at Peter and John, they're God. And look at what it says there, and we're just about out of time here. But look at what it says. It says, and they called them, verse 18, and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. As I mentioned to you, I, I heard so many Christians, we just need to do what they tell us to do because we need to love our neighbor. Let me just make sure you get something straight as I just get off this little thing I'm on in a second. Before you ever love your neighbor, you can never love your neighbor until you learn to love God, number one. Your love for God has to be number one. It has to be number one. And if I can be good to people and love them, that's good, great, and wonderful, and that's my goal. But God's number one. And when it comes to, I fear God. You know, someday we're going to stand before God. There are going to be many Christians that go before us, and they're like, I was beaten for the name of Jesus. I was crucified for Jesus. I was hung in a garden and lit on fire. I, had all, I was beheaded. I, all these things happened. Um, I couldn't go to church because my government told me I couldn't. Wow. Who do you fear? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. You say, I, are we supposed to, you should fear God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God should be revered above anyone else. They feared God. Whether you think we should do this or not, we're going to do what God tells us to do. What a stance for church. You see, as we look at this group, what made this church a bold church? Well, number one, they'd been with Jesus. Oh, how we need that. What Victory Baptist Church needs, we need an old-fashioned revival of just getting time with Jesus. We all, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong with different things, but we want to have all these get-togethers. We have our senior lunches. We have whatever, couples things, ladies things, men's things. We do all these different things. When's the last time you just got together with a group of people and spent time with Jesus? 
you want to you help us go forward and do what God's called us to do, we need time with Jesus. Just wait in a few weeks. In a few weeks, we're starting our prayer service. I've almost got it ready to talk about in church. We're going to have a prayer service each week. And if you come, you come. If you don't come, that's okay. I'll be here. We need God. We need time with him. We need him. When's the last time you just said you needed time with God? I needed to get out of that car yesterday. I did. After all that driving and all that, I needed to get out of the car. When's the last time you just needed time with God? If you haven't ever said that, it means he's really not that important to you. You need time with God. Caroline and I, we try to go each week, almost every week. This last week we didn't get to because we were on our vacation, but we have a date every week. I I need time with my wife. And men in the room, it would do you a good favor time to go on a date with your wife. So I just, you think it's cheap and easy to do? A babysitter each week? Paying for, for dinner and th- different things? Say, why do you do it? We need the time together. And you should be grateful you have a pastor that makes his wife a priority. Because without my wife, there is no ministry. And I don't know what I'm going to do tonight after what I said earlier tonight, but I I love you. I need that time. We make an effort to have a family night each week. We have to do it. We need it. I make it a priority to get time with Jesus every day. It would do you a great deal in your life to get time with Jesus.